Translation and commentary by His Divine Grace A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami Prabhupada O King, no one can know the plan of the Lord, Sri Krishna. Even though great philosophers inquire exhaustively, they are bewildered. Purport. The, be the bewilderment of Maharaj Yudhishthira over his past sinful acts and the resultant sufferings, etc., is completely negated by the great authority Bhishma, one of the twelve authorized persons. Bhishma wanted to impress upon Maharaj Yudhishthira that since time immemorial no one, including such demigods as Shiva and Brahma, could ascertain the real plan of the Lord. So, what can we understand about it? It is useless also to inquire about it. Even the exhaustive philosophical inquiries of sages cannot ascertain the plan of the Lord. <clears throat> the best policy is simply to abide by the orders of the Lord without argument. The sufferings of the Pandavas were never due to their past deeds. The Lord had to execute the plan of establishing the kingdom of virtue, and therefore his own devotees suffered temporarily in order to establish the conquest of virtue. Bhishma Dev was certainly satisfied by seeing the triumph of virtue, and he was glad to see King Yudhishthira on the throne, although he, he himself fought against him. Even a great fighter like Bhishma could not win the battle of Kurukshetra, because the Lord wanted to show that vice cannot conquer virtue, regardless of who tries to execute it. Bhishma Dev was a great devotee of the Lord, but he chose to fight against the Pandavas by the will of the Lord because the Lord wanted to show that a fighter like Bhishma cannot win on the wrong side. <clears throat> the subject matter is Krishna. Of course, the subject of the whole Srimad Bhagavatam is Krishna, but some verses and some sections directly speak of Krishna and others less directly. For instance, in the description of the planets in the universe, it's describing the areas, the, the sizes of them and the, the uh, oceans that the various dweepers or islands within space that 
that it doesn't directly describe Krishna, but here the subject matter is Krishna. <clears throat> Krishna appears to be a very complex person, multifaceted, and therefore difficult to understand. Someone whose activities are unpredictable, who, appear, who acts sometimes in one way, sometimes in another way, who doesn't reveal his plans to others, who behaves very differently with some people than he does with others. Such a person may be called complex, so to understand him is very difficult. Krishna is the most complex person because he's behind all complexity. Everything springs from him. But at the same time, uh, another feature of his being multifaceted and therefore complex is that he's also very simple. He's a simple village boy. What is God doing? Is he creating the universe, uh, presiding over the fate of persons who have died? Yeah, and he's also playing in the pastures of Vrindavan. Yamu Natira Varnachari. He moves around, wanders here and there. In the forests on the bank of the Yamuna. So Krishna is uh, very complex and thus often misunderstood. People who are misunderstood, they may try to explain themselves so that people can understand them. When we say a person is misunderstood, it means uh, it means that their motives are mis. It generally means that their motives are misunderstood. So Krishna explains himself in Bhagavad Gita, but still people misunderstand him. Krishna is often blamed for being a liar or inducing. Uh, well, yeah, the gopis blamed Krishna for, for. Uh, well, no, not exactly. Well, not for not for lying exactly, but for hmm? for being cruel for for calling them to him and then sending them away again. They didn't go. Yeah, for being cruel. They said, life after, we've heard from Purnamasi that even in previous lives, you were, you were very cruel to women. You see, you were cruel to Shurpanaka and then uh, as then as Bali Maharaj, as Rama, you were cruel to Shurpanaka. Then you were as Bali, uh, as Vamanadev. Bali Maharaj behaved very well with you. Uh, he offered everything to you, but in return you, you mistreated him very badly. So the gopis blamed Krishna. Of course the gopis blame is relished by Krishna, but there are others who are actually spiteful toward Krishna. And they blame him for inducing Yudhishthira Maharaj to utter which, what... It wasn't technically an untruth, but it had the effect of a lie. 
by saying that Ashvatthama, the elephant, is dead. It was true, but it was staged so that the part about the elephant wouldn't be heard. It's a well-known story. Krishna is most blamed for consorting with the gopis, uh, for who are others who take the appearance of being others' wives. And he's blamed for having so many wives. He's uh, blamed for, uh, even though he says that he comes in this world, dharma samsthapanartha, dharma samsthapanarthaya, for establishing the principles of dharma, which Śrīla Prabhupāda refers to in this purport several times as virtue, and he refers to adharma as vice within this purport. But uh, Krishna, in so many ways, he behaved adharmically. He incited, or practically ordered Arjuna to kill Karna in a manner that people consider to be adharmic. It wasn't actually adharmic. People who don't understand the actual principles of dharma, they uh, criticize Krishna for having kill, incited Arjuna to kill Karna in a manner that would, under most circumstances, be adharmic, but under the circumstances that it happened in were not adharmic, or the, to the person that it happened to, namely Karna. But anyway, there's no question of adharma for Krishna. There's no question of dharma also in the worldly sense that it's, also, it's understood. He's beyond both dharma and adharma. So in that, he's very difficult to understand. Krishna is often blamed. He's not so much blamed for the a battle of Kurukshetra in which so many people were killed. Gandhari, she blamed him. But nowadays, or maybe since that time, not so much, because it's understood by most people that Duryodhana was, uh, and his party, they were very sinful and they required to be destroyed. But... Uh, <clears throat> Some, it's often said that, well, why, why did Krishna incite Arjuna to fight when he was being a good pacifist? He's, after being a fighter all his life, he suddenly decided to become a pacifist. And Arjuna gave what were actually very good reasons for not fighting. They weren't bad reasons. But... Krishna gave uh, better reasons for engaging in the fight. But some people don't appreciate that and they say, well, see, what kind of book of religion is this that incites the, the uh, incites people to fight? Although, no, I, I don't know of anyone, I don't know of wars being waged in the name of Bhagavad Gita or people... Uh, killing others because they don't accept Bhagavad Gita, although in what is widely advertised as the religion of peace in the world today. And another one which is 
They talk of the Prince of Peace, but their whole history has been one of fighting and killing in the name of their, what they consider to be their religion. So anyway, uh, Krishna is often blamed. Interestingly, uh, the battle of at, uh, Prayas, uh, his own family members killed themselves. Uh, that's not so well known. That was also incited by Krishna, by his arrangement. Uh, and if we see the number of Krishna's family members, then it was even more than were killed at Kurukshetra. But it's not very well known. Now, why did Krishna arrange for his own family? It's clearly stated in the Bhagavatam that Krishna arranged for his own family members to be killed. Sounds really uh, atrocious, doesn't it? I mean, if, if someone kills all their family members, especially when there are so many of them, sounds really horrible. And what, what kind of God is that? I mean, if you kill Duryodhana, all right, but they, they were his own devotees. And what happened to Kontaya Pratijani Hiname Bhakta Pranashati? My dev- Arjuna was told to announce it that my devotee is never destroyed. <coughs> but Arjuna had to uh, look after all the women after all his family members were destroyed. Of course, Arjuna then didn't go around and announce to everyone that Krishna's a liar. He kept his faith in Krishna. Even after Krishna's disappearance, he didn't change his opinion about Krishna. But uh, it's it's another example of how Krishna is very difficult to understand. We understand that Krishna protected or sustained his devotees, who are the members of the Yadu dynasty, by arranging for them to be killed. Whatever he does is for the ultimate good. So there, were, there are many reasons <clears throat> why Krishna arranged that. Uh, which are described in Shastra and by the Acharyas. One is so uh, to Bhu Bhara Haran is one of the main reasons for Krishna's appearance, or actually the the reason for which he was uh, petitioned to come by Bhumi Devi, is that she is feeling the weight of unnecessary military forces. So to remove that burden, Krishna appeared in this world. But some of his own family members had become a burden that's described because not all of them, although they were all devotees, they were not all pure devotees. And some of them were somewhat mixed devotees who had come from the heavenly planets, demigods, and they were feeling so confident of Krishna's protection that they uh, they became arrogant with their, with their power and opulence, which by Krishna's grace were practically on the same level as that of Krishna. And having that power and opulence and thinking that we'll, we're protected by Krishna, no one can do any harm to us. And they felt themselves invincible. 
So uh, Krishna felt the need to remove them before they became uh, actually a burden to the earth by having such an arrogant attitude. So sometimes even great devotees, they can, uh, their attitude can change. We see that Trividha, who was uh, part of the party or with Hanuman who joined Lord Ram in fighting against Ravana. He later behaved inimically towards Krishna's devotees and became a demon and was killed by Krishna. Is that right? Balaram, that's right. Killed by Lord Balaram. Not by Krishna. <laughs> that we may also speculate because Krishna is Rama, so he had someone else, almost someone else. Balaram removed Dvividha, who was his devotee. Well, on the other hand, we find Jambavan was also uh, living a long time from the time he was also part of the party who was with Lord Rama attacking Lanka. And uh, later he met Krishna and fought with Krishna. Krishna enjoyed that. And he recognized Krishna as being Rama. So uh, he remained a devotee, even though he was angry at Krishna in the beginning. But his basic attitude was one of a loving Krishna, but he he didn't recognize Krishna, and therefore he engaged in fighting with him. If he'd, if he'd have recognized him, he'd have never punched him and tried to pin him on the ground and wrestling throws and all. He wouldn't have felt anger toward him. And when he understood, well, this must be Lord Rama, because no one, no one can fight like that, except Lord Rama, so it must be. Then he recognized that you are the same Supreme Personality of Godhead. So Krishna arranged for the removal of the Yadu dynasty, apart from those who were demigods, who uh, who had been born in the Yadu dynasty, for the uh, and born as the members of Krishna's family. Apart from them, uh, many were actually pure devotees, but Anyway, it was time for Krishna to leave this world and there was no reason for all his family members to hang around forever. So it was arranged uh, that they leave this world. Why in such a uh, horrible way, it might seem? Well, for, for Kshatriyas, it's not such a horrible way. It's the best way, actually. Maybe not fighting with each other isn't the best, but fighting is the way Kshatriyas, they want to leave the world. Uh, here we, the mystery of the often asked question, why did Bhishma fight on the wrong side when he's a great devotee of Krishna? The, the answer is given here by Srila Prabhupada. Uh, of course, there may be other answers also. Uh, Bhishma Dev was a great devotee of the Lord, I'm reading from the purport, but he chose to fight, he chose to fight against the Pandavas. You see, he could have 
I've said to Duryodhana, well, uh, I've been maintained by you all these years, but actually you're a jerk, and the Pandavas, they're the right people, and uh, I'm going on the other side. But he didn't. Why? He chose to fight against the Pandavas by the will of the Lord because... You all heard it just a few minutes ago, but you probably have all forgotten. So here we are. Because the Lord wanted to show that a fighter like Bhishma, how many fighters are there like Bhishma? Well, uh, we find at the beginning of Bhagavad Gita that Duryodhana, he didn't think there was anyone as great as Bhishma. He was the best fighter in the world, apart from Krishna, who wasn't going to fight the Lord wanted to show that a fighter like Bhishma cannot win on the wrong side. Dharma always triumphs over Adharma, especially when Krishna is personally present. Yatra, Yogeshvara Krishna. Tatra, Vijaya, where there is Krishna, there must be victory. <clears throat> So, by uh, arranging for this fight among his family members, Krishna, he fulfilled different purposes. One purpose was to show that however uh, high class and exalted a person may be, that intoxication destroys their good qualities. So that's one reason. And the... The main reason to uh, send everyone back where they came from to take up their respective roles. There was no no reason for them to be around while Krishna was there. So uh, these are some explanations given. And if we examine more deeply, we can find that in all of Krishna's pastimes, in everything that he does, there are multiple reasons for that, because every action or, or every event, every happening, it has multiple consequences, especially when it's on a large scale. When there are many people involved, uh, then it has uh, many consequences. Just like, for instance, uh, a revolution, the Russian Revolution, that uh, that had a, that greatly influenced not only Russia but the the whole of the or much of the world, actually the whole world, uh, for the rest of pretty much the rest of the twentieth century. So it had very great consequences. Uh, which you, you, it would probably be impossible to list them all because they're so far-reaching. The, the the consequence on the whole way people perceive the world and the, the way this, the governments executed their policies. So that's why I'm saying probably everyone is affected in the world, directly, indirectly at least. <clears throat> So, uh, it's very difficult to, it may be very difficult to understand Krishna's plans, especially when it seems that uh, they may cause apparently suffering for his devotees. 
Why would Krishna do that? That's the perennial question. If God is good, why is there suffering? Why does he allow people to be bad? And this has been a, a question in the Western world since uh, people started to think, since they changed from monkeys to men and then they became, uh, then they put pants on and then they uh, made universities. Oh, wait a minute, that's not correct, is it? That's not actually what happened. But, uh, well, at least since the time of Christianity in the Western world, this question has been uh, prominent in the minds of philosophers. That if God is good, why does he allow bad? In uh, India, it was never it was never a question. The, the problem of evil, it's called in Western philosophy. But in either the Vaishnavas or the Mayavadis, it's never been. In, at least in those terms, it, it's it's never been a question. <clears throat> But it may be in uh, relation to Krishna. Some people may, may, although it's generally accepted that he protects his devotees, then why does he put them through so much suffering? The same question is asked about Yudhishthira and the Pandavas. Why did they have to go through so much suffering when Krishna was personally present? And Bhishmadev himself, who's being resorted to here, by Yudhishthira, on the advice of Krishna, himself says that, well, why... Well, that's, the, that's what... This statement that we're reading today is follows up for from the previous verse. Oh, how wonderful is the influence of inevitable time, Bhishma Dev speaking. It is irreversible. Otherwise, how can there be reverses in the presence of King Yudhishthira, the son of the demigod controlling religion? Bhima, the great fighter with a club, the great bowman Arjuna with his mighty weapon Gandiva, and above all the Lord, the direct well-wisher of the Pandavas. So how is that possible? And Bhishma Dev says, well, we can't understand the plan of the Lord. We can make general statements that Krishna is very kind to his devotees and he always protects them, and but how does that fit with what happened with the Pandavas? So Srila Prabhupada in this purport supplies a reply to uh, this often asked question that the Lord had to execute the plan of establishing the kingdom of virtue and therefore his own devotees suffered temporarily in order to establish the conquest of virtue. In other words, to show that ultimately virtue or dharma always prevails over vice, adharma. Krishna arranged for his devotees to suffer so much. But that suffering of his devotees, actually devotees don't suffer, they only 
appear to suffer. Joto deko Vaishnava bebaha duk nischoy janeho taha parananda shuk. Vrindavandas Thakur states that if one sees, or however much one sees that devotees are apparently suffering, one should know that they're always experiencing spiritual bliss. And they're not suffering actually. But Kunti Devi, she uh, analyzed that the, the sufferings that the Pandavas went through, that was actually very good, and she prayed for more, as is well known. Not many devotees are on that level. Are they, Oh Lord, I'm suffering intensely. Please give me more. Mostly it's, uh, please deliver me. Yehasangsare bahudustare. And what's the, ne- the next line? Kripaya pare pahi murare. Well, that's by follower of Shankaracharya. Uh, is, how does that begin? Pundarapi jananam, punarapi maranam, punarapi janani jatare shayanam. Material life is dying, getting born, dying, getting born, getting in the womb of a mother, and then again and again. And then, O Murari, please, this material existence is very difficult to get free from. Please deliver us, please maintain us. Murari, the killer of the Mura demon. So there are many such prayers, O Lord, please deliver us, but Kunti Devi prayers, Praise that Vipada Santu Tashashvat Tatra Tatra Jagat Guru Bhavato Darshanam Yatsyad Apuna Bhava Darshanam. If we see you, Krishna, then we don't see repeated birth and death. So we see you more when we suffer more. So give us more danger, give us more suffering. We think of you more. So uh Krishna may also put his devotees into difficulty. There are many reasons for that, why he may do so. To demonstrate the character of a devotee. Narayana parasarve nakutas janabhibhyati swarga pavarga. What's the next line? Swarvara pavarga narakesh vapitulyata darshana. That great devotees, whether they're put in heaven or hell or well, they, they, heaven, hell, uh, liberation, it's all the same for them. Because in any circumstance, they're not bewildered. They're always thinking of Krishna. So Krishna demonstrates that that by putting his devotees into difficulty, and they don't swerve even slightly from their Krishna consciousness. They don't say that, well... I thought it was good being a devotee of Krishna, but it's not so good after all. Maybe I should become a Muslim or go to Sai Baba or something, you know, someone that works. Krishna is not... You find that many times, actually. People take up Krishna courses and then say, oh, well, my problems got worse, so what's the use? Uh, I, I, I came to Krishna courses to get free of my problems and they're getting worse, so it doesn't work. That's the proof. But the great devotees, they get put through so many severe difficulties. So many times devotees come to me and say, oh, I have this problem. And so you can ask them, well, do you have problems as great as Prahlad Maharaj had, for instance? As great as the Pandavas? So we'll follow their example and remain fixed 
in this in Krishna's service. So Krishna demonstrates how his devotees, even in the greatest difficulties, remain fixed in his service. And actually by putting them through difficulty they remember Krishna more. That uh, fight between the members of the Yadu dynasty that resulted in the annihilation, that uh, <coughs> that may seem very strange, uh, devotees fighting among themselves. So that's the whole point of this verse, that what is Krishna's plan? It's very difficult to understand. See, devotees fight, devotees fighting among each other, how can that be Krishna's plan? After all, one is supposed to love the devotee. Devotee is supposed to be advaita sarva bhutanam, without animosity toward anyone, and especially to devotees. That prema maitri kripo piksha to others. Among devotees, there's supposed to be friendship, and others they may neglect them, or. Uh, be kind to them, depending on their on the attitude of non-devotees. But among devotees, they're, they're supposed to be friendly. But devotees killing each other, becoming each other's enemies. Well, how is how can that be Krishna's plan? So, Srila Prabhupada writes here: It is useless also to inquire about it. We can't understand. How devotees, at least superficially, they seem to hate each other to the extent that they kill each other. I mean, you've got to be pretty, uh, you've got to have pretty bad feelings against someone to kill them, generally speaking. Of course, a king may execute a criminal, he doesn't have any personal animosity against him, but in general, well, you have to be pretty. Have either be just completely callous, just like people, they kill animals, they don't think anything of it. It's just a, a regular thing that the butcher or, you know, so housewives, they get a chicken and they cut the throat and you know, they're talking to their friends while they're, while they're doing it. Don't, don't think anything of it. The chicken's squawking and you just don't... Heartless, that's the word. Stone-hearted. They just kill the creature. But how could devotees be so cruel or you know, so hateful that they kill each other? But Krishna has his plan. That apparent hatred, again, it's not, it's not uh, actual. It's just a, a show, but it also shows how the effects of intoxication actually make one crazy. They make one very... Even if one is uh, very good by nature, that in, intoxication can completely spoil one's character. And we see that. It's common in the modern age that men uh, cruelly... It's quite common that men cruelly beat their wives under the influence of intoxication, or uh, many murders are also committed under the influence of intoxication. <clears throat> so, uh, intoxication is not good. That's demonstrated.
by that's one of the points which is demonstrated by this. Ah, uh, so what do we what do we learn from this? How to apply it in our practical life? Well, in our lives, there we may see so many things which just don't seem right, and among ourselves, there may be. Uh, Disagreements, misunderstandings, ah, uh, but there may be some plan of Krishna there also. It doesn't mean that, or and, and there may be devotees uh, don't treat each other properly. There may be some plan of Krishna behind that. It doesn't mean that treating some one devotee treats another badly and the other devotee complains as well. Actually, it's Krishna's plan. That's not proper to say that. In one sense, it can be true, but on the other hand, it's it's Krishna. We can say, yeah, that's true, but Krishna, your bad propensity. We can't say it's a, someone's bad propensity is being uh, orchestrated by Krishna's energies in such a way that uh, good comes out of it. Or because anything in relationship to devotees and devotional service, ultimately it has to be auspicious. In one sense, we can say that uh, even Srila Prabhupada, in one purport, speaks ab about great demons. He mentions some names like Hitler and others who they, they, they were actually instruments of Krishna in one sense, not that they were sadhus by any means, but because uh, so many people were sinful and uh, they were in for a good dose of suffering. So Krishna arranged for some big demons to arrange it. But they're demons, even though they're acting within the, not outside the plan of the Lord. No one can act outside the plan of the Lord. That... Uh, Everyone is within the plan of the Lord. But it doesn't mean that everything one does is divinely inspired. Some things are inspired by uh, sinful propensities. But it's all orchestrated by Krishna's energies. So if we see uh, among devotees there is some some things going on which shouldn't go on. Why is that happening? Well, maybe very difficult to understand. But if we remain ourselves fixed in Krishna's service, we cannot be harmed in any way. The, the, uh, someone asked that recently. Why did Chaitanya Mahaprabhu come so late in Kali Yuga? Why didn't he come earlier? So many other people could have been saved. Well, why isn't he present all the time? That question could be there. Then the question comes, why doesn't Krishna forcibly drag people back to Godhead? He comes at certain times. Uh, and when he comes, people are particularly fortunate. And at times when he's not present, then uh, still the propaganda is there in human society for people to be dharmic or to be Krishna conscious, but 
people can take it or leave it as they like. Uh, similar happening uh, that happened in the, uh, to the internecine, that's the word, fancy word for between family members, the fight, the internecine fight between the members of the Yadu dynasty. Uh, there was a similar event in the Goryamat after the disappearance of Bhaktisiddhanta Saraswati when members of the, or disciples of the same guru uh, fought with each other very severely. Uh, fought means mostly verbally. There was quite a lot of physical fighting, but it was mostly verbal. And uh, in law courts, and like this. So some people opine that, well, that was Krishna's plan to increase the preaching. Instead of one organization, there are many preaching organizations. But overall, we see the preaching. It didn't. Uh, it didn't blossom in the way that might have been expected had the Goryamat remained as a united institution. Although in in many ways you could say the preaching did increase. I mean, there are many more centers of the Goryamat if you include all the break-off shakas and upashakas, branches and sub-branches. So it's not that the preaching stopped, it went on, but the the, the, the momentum that the Goryamat had the, at the time of Bhaktisiddhanta Saraswati Thakur and the, the, the spirit to go out and challenge everyone and everything and establish Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's Sankirtan mission that was uh, to a large extent lost and the, uh, yeah, definitely the unity was completely lost it's a shine like a like a glass shattered into many pieces. It seems impossible to put it back in the same way. But out of all of that came Srila Prabhupada. <laughs> we were just hearing two days ago, three days ago, from Vasu Gosh Prabhu, uh, that incident when Srila Prabhupada was walking and one devotee quoted uh, Agoryamat Sanyasi as having said that if Chaitanya Mahaprabhu had wanted Krishna consciousness preached all over the world he would have gone himself it's a pretty stupid statement actually considering that it's well known Chaitanya Mahaprabhu definitely wants Krishna consciousness preaching all over the world it's directly recorded in Chaitanya Bhagavad but uh, Prabhupada's response was that Chaitanya Mahaprabhu wanted me to do it. Or as I've heard it otherwise, uh, he wanted to give me the credit. So out of all of that terrible mess, which happened in the Goryamat, uh, after the disappearance of Bhaktisiddhanta Saraswati, the, uh, there was uh, a gap of one generation 
of uh, dynamic unified preaching and then Prabhupada came and we all know the story and everyone lived happily ever after no they didn't we have problems as everyone knows within our ISKCON after the departure of Srila Prabhupada ah how are we to view this very difficult to understand No one can know the plan of the Lord Sri Krishna. Even though great philosophers inquire exhaustively, they are bewildered. Bhishma Dev says here. Prabhupada in the purport says, it is useless also to inquire about it. And it, it seems to be, it seems that you know, there's like, oh, there's a certain spirit or mood which it seems like impossible to change the direction back to what we think it should be because other people think that the way it is is the way it should be. So, what can we do? Well, we can go on with Krishna consciousness. No one can take that away from us. No, in, in what Srila Prabhupada has given, uh, whatever may or may not happen in his movement, whatever may happen that shouldn't happen and whatever doesn't happen that whatever may happen that shouldn't happen and whatever doesn't happen that should happen uh, we can go on with Krishna consciousness no, no one's stopping us putting our hand in our bead bag and chanting the holy names of Krishna at least it hasn't come to that yet within Iskot is uh, well, you never know. It's not impossible. I mean, you see in Christianity that they they introduced meat-eating and intoxication, which Jesus, he didn't introduce it, but it's made out as if he did introduce that. It's The, the Bible has been uh, doctored in such a way to make it seem that Jesus was a meat-eater and a drunkard, which he wasn't. And uh, ignorant also, because it's uh, ignorant of the uh, laws of nature, of the how the jiva transmits, transmigrates from body to body. It seems that he, of course, even now in the Bible, there are still indications of that, but it's been largely edited out. So you never know what may happen, but. But even then, uh, there's nothing to stop anyone follow, following Christ even today. Although it is difficult because his actual teachings have been so badly misrepresented that it's difficult to know actually what he taught. So if we actually want to follow Christ, then uh, we follow Srila Prabhupada, who taught the same thing, but actually with much more detail and preciseness. So that's a, a meditation for, as we find that there may be many uh, many facets of this Krishna consciousness movement which sometimes we may find it difficult to understand. Why is that going on? Why does Krishna allow this? 
Uh, well, it may be very difficult to say. We may not be able to understand it. As Bhishma, the great, greatest authority, who Krishna presented Bhishma as a greater authority than himself, greater authority than Krishna. Krishna presented it like that. He, Krishna couldn't satisfy Yudhishthira Maharaj, but, uh, who were Yudhishthira Maharaj's inquiries. But Bhishma was able to, so Krishna presented Bhishma, Krishna presented Bhishma as a greater philosophy than he, Krishna himself. He gave him that. Which is another thing which is very difficult to understand. How can anyone be a greater philosopher than Krishna? So, but, but, but Bhishma, he said, well, it's not possible for us to understand, so better just accept that God is good and ultimately everything is for the good, even if we don't understand it. And some things that we don't understand, later on we may understand, or in retrospect it can be understood. But at the present time we may not understand why is all of this going on? Uh, it doesn't mean, again, it doesn't mean that we just accept that everything is good because we think that things which should not be done, which are done, or things that are not done which should be done, we shouldn't think, well, everything's okay because it's all Krishna's plan. That's, that we shouldn't think. That's a kind of mayavad where everything just becomes... <laughs> Good is not good, not good is good because there's no ultimate good or everything's good or it's all, all mayavad. No, there is good and there is non-good. There is a difference. But exactly why Krishna arranges in various ways, it may be very difficult for us to understand why various devotees behave with us in certain ways. We may also be bewildered, why did I behave like that with that devotee? We may regret ourselves in retrospect that I behaved like this, why is that? And uh, although we, in general, devotees are not going to be uh, dealing with each other as severely as, for instance, Hitler did with various people, um, at the same time, yeah, it's the same example. We can't say that, well, Hitler was good because it was all Krishna's plan. So if devotees do deal improperly with each other, we can, they can't just say, well, it's all Krishna's plan. No, we have to rectify our own faults. Uh, Krishna is all-powerful, but he gives the jiva some independence. And he, he has his plan to, to spread Krishna consciousness all over the world. And s certain devotees, they they take part in that, but then they may, they may, due to the conditioned nature, just like the the members of the Yadu dynasty who came from the heavenly planets, they're mixed devotees, so they contributed somewhat to Krishna's pastimes, but they're also capable of causing some disturbance. So maybe that certain devotees they have some contribution to make, but because of uh, various uh, residual contaminations within their heart, they may also cause some damage. But then Krishna, he works everything out so that in the end, everyone lives happily ever after in the spiritual world. So, 
uh, it's, it's not that well, okay, uh, I mistreated this person. But anyway, there was something good came out of it, so it was all Krishna's plan. I didn't do anything wrong. No, it's not like that. Uh, it's, 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 so devotees should strive to be pure devotees. It's acting one who takes the role of a pure devotee. And actually anyone who joins this Krishna conscious movement and accepts initiation, they step in the mold of a pure devotee. Or they, they take the role because initiation is initiation in... It's initiation into pure Krishna consciousness, not initiation into mixed Krishna consciousness. We don't say that you take to Krishna consciousness and uh, you chant Hare Krishna and you'll get lots of money and you'll be very respected in society. We don't tell people that. Although people, some people may have those motives, but initiation is actually meant for people who want to be pure devotees and who want to live like pure devotees and be, become fully pure devotees. So one who accepts initiation is supposed to be a pure devotee. Or at least uh, striving with all his faculties to be a pure devotee. But sometimes we see that devotees, even some who are uh, very highly reputed as being great devotees, sometimes they act in a manner which is quite the opposite of what is expected of a pure devotee. But out of that difficulty, and the difficulty that that produces, in, in some cases it can be have very uh, severe effects, bad effects on the, on, the, on the community of devotees, or at least many devotees within the worldwide community. But out of it all, Krishna adjusts everything. And as long as there are pure devotees, then Krishna will adjust so that their qualities and their contributions, they do not go in vain. Uh, but it's, it's very... Uh, the, the workings of human society and, and are very complex to understand. And Krishna is there, behind it all, orchestrating everything how the internal energy acts within this external energy of the material world. It may be very difficult to understand, just like we're saying devotees don't suffer. But then we see uh, devotees get sick and they seem to suffer. Well, how is that? And they're getting their karmic reactions. No, they're not. And the devotees don't get karmic reactions. But the, the uh, external energy appears... It appears as if they're getting karmic reactions. But it's the internal energy working through the external energy to help purify a devotee. If we see a devotee is apparently suffering, that's uh, the internal energy working for, this, for to uh, purify them and again to demonstrate how a devotee, despite uh, all difficulties, remains fixed in Krishna consciousness. Or if they're not on a very high level, then then uh, they may fail the test or not do very well in the test. And, and uh, in sickness, they become very weak in Krishna consciousness. Exactly to understand, it's, it's very difficult, exactly why Krishna deals with individual devotees and the whole society of devotees. It's so complex. But at the end, we see, 
at the end of the day, to use that cliche, we see that those who are sincere in Krishna consciousness, they get the result of becoming Krishna conscious. So that's the, they all lived happily ever after part. That we're not, those who are in Krishna consciousness, they're not bereft of the result of Krishna consciousness. Whatever happens in the world, even if it's, it, it could be such a, uh, such a destroyer of faith that Krishna's own family members kill each other. Krishna on the battlefield of Kurukshetra. He really tested Arjuna's faith when Arjuna said, look, I know, I'm not going to fight against Bhishma and Drona. Krishna said, fight, go and kill them all. Could have really <laughs> thrown Arjuna out if he'd been anyone less than Arjuna. He said, I'm not going to kill my, my guru and my, my grandfather. I mean, even, even if Arjuna didn't have that very deep personal relationship with them and respect for them, even then, even if he didn't know them at all, to uh, attack and try to kill such persons who are older than him, so much respected in human society, it would seem to be, I mean, how could Krishna tell Arjuna to do such a thing? But he did. It was a great test for Arjuna. But Arjuna accepted that, well, Krishna's got his plan. It's, it's bigger than my plan and it's bigger than my understanding. And he accepted Others might not accept. They'd say, well, Krishna, I respect you, but I respect Bhishma and Drona more. I'm not going to kill him. You're wrong. Or even if you're right, I, I'm, I'm just not... Okay, even if I theoretically accept that you're right, I'm not going to do it. I can't do it. I just can't bring myself to do it. Many would say that, but Arjuna, he accepted. Very difficult. I mean, it couldn't have been easy, even though... Krishna personally told him and he philosophically understood the points. But it, it definitely it wasn't easy for Arjuna to fight against his loved ones and those who had, uh, especially Bhishma had protected him, protected the Pandavas since the earliest age and Drona. Arjuna was the most dear disciple of Drona and there must have been very great affection between them. Arjuna was, okay, he's going to fight with him. And fight, uh, there's no half-hearted fighting. Half-hearted fighting means there's no fighting, because whoever fights half-heartedly gets killed immediately. So with full attention and concentration and determination to kill those who, Arjuna himself said that, if we kill them, then what fun is there left in life? There's nothing worth living for. If these persons were to be killed... Uh, then there would be no pleasure left in life. What to speak of me killing them? So it was a great test for Arjuna. Why should Krishna do that? Or why, why should he order me to do that? Which Probably if Arjuna had to think of anything which was the, mo the, the thing he least wanted to do, it would be to attack, to kill Bhishma, Drona, Pramukhata, or the... Or others, but he agreed to on Krishna's order. He had faith that, well, I have to do what Krishna says. He, what he's doing is right. It doesn't seem to be right. We see that also the, in the case of uh, Parashuram with his father Jamadagni. Kill your mother. 
Okay, no questions asked. Killed her. On the spot. Pretty heavy, huh? Who's willing to do that? But uh, Parashuram had such great faith in his father that if he's doing so, there must be some purpose and he'll definitely bless me and uh, after I do so, he'll, he'll offer me a boon and I'll take the boon of uh, him restoring my mother back to life without her knowing that I killed her because he has the power to do that. So Parashuram, in a second, I mean, it was quite unexpected, he was asked to kill his mother in a second, without hesitation, immediately did so, because he had great faith that Jamadagni was not uh, such a, had not all of a sudden become such a grotesque person that he, he just wanted his wife killed for no good reason and for no purpose. But he, Parashuram immediately was able to grasp the point that well, there's, uh, he has a reason for doing so, and he's uh, such a great person, he must be right, and it's not for me to question. Okay, did it. Not to be imitated. Not if, uh, if I tell you to kill your mother, don't do it. Now that puts you in a difficult situation, doesn't it? Now wouldn't that put you in a difficult situation? That I, if, if I, I, who happen to be... Uh, Guru, in one way or another, to all of you here, if I was to say, having uh, having just said that in the class here for all of you to hear, if I again came to you maybe a year or two later and said, kill your mother, then you'd be in a tizzy, because I'm telling you to do one thing, but before I told you that if I tell you to do that, don't do it. So what are you going to do? Which one do you follow? Which order do you follow? Because whichever one you, whichever one you follow, you're breaking one of the orders of the guru. So uh, anyway, I'm not going to do either of those things, but I'm just uh, using it as an analogy that uh, one has to understand. It, it also requires to understand the intention. And, or, or even if one doesn't understand the intention to, to have faith that, well, what Krishna does is good. And we have to do the best we can. I'd written down some points, but I didn't touch any of them, um, as usual. Okay, Hare Krishna. Any questions about this? Yeah. Do we have another mic? Then it can, the question can be heard by the translator as well as everyone else outside the earshot of Vasudev Datta Prabhu. Another mic? The book Bhakti Siddhanta Vaibhava got inspiration to live for the truth. Live for the truth. Speak. Speak for the truth. And I have one example of one Sankhita devotee from Europe who is very, was very sincere and very dedicated, but he had problems with his authorities. And he was persisting, so he was honest, very honest, but he was persisting and insisting 
on his own point so far that he went against his own good. Mm. Then his own guru has to temporarily probably remove kind of rejection and then looks like he, he lost uh, uh, Brahmachari Ashram he lost all Shaktis so it's how far one can go well maybe he should have heard this class <laughs> and he might have uh, or considered very deeply this verse and purport which he's undoubtedly read at least once and quite likely several times that's the point we shouldn't lose faith even though uh, even though there may appear to be grounds to lose our enthusiasm in Krishna consciousness those who uh, deeply consider the message of Shastra will never lose their enthusiasm. They may not be able to go on with their plan as they had considered it, but if, but uh, they, that devotee might not have been able to execute Krishna consciousness in exactly the way that he wanted to, but he could have adjusted and gone on with Krishna consciousness and done some other service in a way which uh, would have not, yeah, he could have gone on and then in, in a way which is, if he'd have made some adjustment, then uh, he needn't have got, he needn't have become some so distraught. Another point uh, is that, yeah, yeah, we want to live for the truth and speak for the truth, but institutions within this world uh, they don't function on that principle. By their very nature, I've discussed that extensively elsewhere. So it's a conundrum or a, or a situation which produces a dilemma or uh, irreconcilable opposites that an institution is required for preaching Krishna consciousness. But the very nature of an institution in this world is that uh, that which is not Krishna conscious will be fostered by it. So, how to resolve this? Well, read the Srimad Bhagavatam and Bhagavad Gita and then we'll get these kind of insights which help us to uh, remain servants of the truth in the realm of untruth or mixed truth or untruth posing as truth or truth being propagated for the sake of untruth <laughs> etc. In the book that you were referring to, Bhaktisiddhan Vaibhav, there's a, an essay by Bhaktisiddhan Sarsar Thakur, which addresses this very problem. How uh, organized religion is the resort of Putana, Kangsa, and other such uh, demonic persons. 
It's a very heavy essay. <laughs> that the pulpits are necessarily occupied by persons of the caliber of Kangsa and Puta. And, and he says there's nothing you can do to stop it. Doesn't mean that everyone in a pulpit is a pulpit. You know what that means? It means the uh, the uh, lectern, which is another word you don't understand. It's the or the, the uh, well, it's the place where a priest stands to give his lecture to instruct the faithful. It's called a pulpit, which that word was used in the Pakistan uh, that I guess that should have been put in the. Uh, Difficult words, although it's a it's a well known word in English, but for for people for whom English is a second or third language, they in the modern age they probably don't know it so well, because Christianity is out of vogue in the modern age. So uh, he said that the, the the pulpits are occupied by people like that. Uh, and I'm saying that doesn't mean that, that everyone who's a religious preacher is of the category of Kangsa. But uh, he says there's nothing, nothing you can do to stop it. Kind of depressing, isn't it? Well, there's the example of his own life. He was, at the same time he, that he wrote that, he himself formed a religious institution and preached but you could say that in some ways his activities were also compromised by the very institution which he set up. Which if you read the book you can understand how in some ways he appeared to be compromised. Not in his personal life or his preaching but he allowed things to go on in the Goryamad which some of his which some bad things and wrong things which some of his disciples were very upset about and which after his departure led to the uh, well what happened next which much of it which wasn't uh, definitely wasn't his desire why did he allow things to go on well he may have felt that it was I, I, I can only speculate but I, he may have thought that it's beyond his power to change, there's certain people you can't change. Uh, he also said that when someone complained to him about some of his disciples, he said, look, they've been with me for so long, I can't turn them away now. And he also said that, well, if they're bad, then this is the best place for them to be. <laughs> and the, the one disciple of his around whom all the discontent focused uh, well, when he passed away, which was before Prabhupada passed away, Prabhupada said he went back to God. Another point that we we often see is that uh, devotees they're fed up of the leaders and they make a revolution and throw them out, and then but then the next uh, the next batch is just as bad or worse. And uh, no one has any faith in any leaders anymore. And so they, even if they want to lead, they, it's very difficult for them to do so. 
So revolution isn't, it, it may seem to be good, but uh, what will be the result? Just like in your country, there's a lot of discontent. and I'm not going to say it because I don't want to foment politics here. <laughs> but uh, there's a lot of discontent and many people want certain leaders removed, but uh, what do you think the result would be? It would just be chaotic, wouldn't it? And the good things that are going on now, uh, the, the book distribution, Harinam, that would it, would, it wouldn't stop, but it would suffer a major jolt. And, and to a large, to a large extent, the, the, the book distribution, which has been going on steadily and well for many years, which is maybe coming down anyway, but it would probably, to a large extent, stop. Like in Croatia. Oops, I'm sorry, I wasn't supposed to be saying the name of different countries. But anyway, that's already history. That they threw out the first leaders, and there were good reasons for doing so. But after that, it just descended into more and more chaos. The book distribution from that time practically came down to zero. So, maybe even leaders who are not, who people perceive them as not being good in many ways, they, they may be, it may be better than uh, just throwing them out. Of course, the, the best thing would be if the, lead, the leaders would rectify the things that they're doing which are not appreciated or try to come to some understanding. That would be the best thing. But often leaders, they can't hear others because they're leaders. They can't see, even if even if it's like the Titanic is sinking and people still, you know, they still can't see it. They say, well, you know, there's nice ballroom dances going on. You know, there are a few problems, but, you know, what's the problem? We're having a nice party here and and meanwhile, the Titanic is sinking, and they can't see it until it's too late, whereas everyone else can see it. So, who can understand these things? That's the whole point of the class. <laughs> and I'll finish there. Hare Krishna, Srila Prabhupada Ki Jai. <laughs>